into each day what he deems best. Lovingly, it's part of pain and pleasure, mingling toil with peace and rest. Sing that song with me day by day. Number 66, day by day. Day by day, and with each passing moment, strength I find to meet my trials here, trusting in my Father's wise bestowment. I have no cause for weary or for fear. He whose heart is kind beyond all measure, give unto each day what he deems best. Loving me is part of pain and pleasure, mingling toil with peace and rest. Every day the Lord himself is near me with a special mercy for each hour. All my kind he fain would bear and cheer me. He his name is Counselor and Pine. The protection of his child and treasure is a charge that on himself is laid. As the days and strength we be in measure, this to faith. Help me then in every tribulation so to trust thy promises, O Lord, that I lose but faithfulness consolation offered me within the holy word. Help me, Lord. When toil and trouble meeting ever take as from the Father's hand one by one the days and moments fleeting till I reach Father's land. Hymn number 180. It says, Jesus, excuse me, Jesus. Lover of my soul, let me to thy bosom fly. 180. Y'all stand with me. Brother Doyle will be bringing up the uh, ushers in a few minutes to bring our, get our visitors' cards and your offerings. Till then, 180. Jesus, lover of my soul. Jesus, lover of my soul. Let me to thy bosom fly While the near waters roll While the tempest still is nigh Hide me, oh, my Savior, hide Till the storm of life is past Safe into the heaven God will receive my soul at 
Once again, we take this opportunity to welcome our internet audience. Uh, it's wonderful to be able to be back on broadcasting again. And we want you to continue praying for our services here at Grace Baptist and Tyler that um, we continue to be able to broadcast these services. And you should see on the bottom of your screen our address. So we'd encourage you, drop us a letter, send us an email, and just let us know that you're out there and what you're benefiting by this, by this broadcast. Brother Ray Bratcher is going to be preaching this morning out of 1 John chapter 4, verse 7 through 12. The essence and the evidence of divine love. The essence and the evidence of divine love. And that will be coming in just a few moments. Let's take a moment now to bow our heads and thank God for the privilege to be here, either through the Internet or here in person, to praise our Lord Jesus Christ. Would you bow with me? Dear sweet and heavenly, our Lord Jesus Christ, we humbly come to you, Lord, asking you to open our hearts and open our minds to hear the message you've given Brother Bradshaw this week that would fill our hearts and fill our souls that will take us through to the next week. We give you all the honor and glory and praise for it. It's in Christ's precious name we pray. Amen. And would you be seated?
Good to be with you. Good to see you. I enjoy our getting together around the study of God's Word. It's good to have Roger back in town. I notice Roger is a little different than, you know, some folks. Maybe you've noticed that. Most folks work and then take off to go on vacation. He goes on vacation and takes off occasionally to come to work. It's an, it's an amazing arrangement that he has. Terry, it's always good to see you, brother. We love you here in this church. It's great for you to, to be here with us. First John, but, but right, to commend Roger, he got the title and the text right today, so he's doing good. First John chapter 4, 7 through 12. We'll look primarily at the first uh, three or four verses. We'll look at the whole thing intensely uh, there. And the subject is, as he said, the, the essence and the evidence of divine love. Well, last Sunday, uh, as Randy, and Randy, I was impressed with Randy. Randy remembered the title. Did you get that? He remembered the title of last week's message, Us and Them. And it was in 1 John chapter 4, 4 through 6. We found John, the Apostle John, encouraging us, assuring us that all of us, because we are born of God, are overcomers. And that's key. Born of God people are overcomers. That's what the scriptures teaches us. We may not always feel like overcomers. We may sometimes feel overwhelmed and overcome, but we are overcomers in the biblical sense of the word because greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. And that's the Lord Jesus Christ in us. And the world, he that is in the world is not in us. And the Lord is not going to allow him to get in us because greater is he that is in us. And that Spirit of God, that, plus, that, that we say the Comforter so much, but the text could really maybe be better translated Counselor, the Holy Counselor. It's the Spirit of God, the Spirit of the Lord Jesus in us. But He's a Counselor to us. He guides us and directs us in our thoughts and our procedures as we go along in life. He protects us from the false doctrine that the minions of the devil out there are, are espousing about. There's always someone coming along with a new twist, you know, to some scripture or whatever. And here's the thing that we need to remember. And the preacher in Ecclesiastes said that there's nothing new under the sun, okay? There's nothing new under the sun. But most especially, there's no new doctrine. This is the Word of God. It's the living Word of God. It's the only Word of God that's been given. There's no external writings needed, and it carries us all the way to glory. And when we get to glory, we'd be glad, even more grateful then, that we are now, today, that we had this as our companion, not only in the Word of God, our bound copies, but in our minds, in our hearts and souls, and brought to our remembrance by the Holy Spirit of God that never leaves us. He is protecting us from false doctrine. And that doesn't mean that we can sit on our spiritual duffs. <laughs> okay, Holy Spirit, you're here. I'm going to leave it all up to you. I'm going to put this on the shelf. i got other things to do. That's spiritually dumber than dirt. God gave us the Word of God to fill our hearts and soul with His Word, so we are thoroughly furnished to every good work which He's called us to do. And the Holy Spirit participates in us by bringing to remembrance 
I never find anywhere in Scripture it says of the Holy Spirit holding a class to teach us the Word of God. He brings to remembrance what the Lord Jesus has said to us. Well, our text. That was last week. <laughs> Here's today. 1 John chapter 4, 7. Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God. And everyone that loveth is born of God and knoweth God. He that loveth not knoweth not God, for God is love. And this was manifested, the love of God toward us, because that God sent his only begotten Son into the world, that we might live through him. Here in his love, not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his Son to be the propitiation for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we ought also to love one another. No man has seen God at any time. If we love one another, God dwelleth in us. If we love one another, God dwelleth in us, and his love is perfected in us. Holy Father, we love you, and we love your word, and we love the Spirit of God in us. Thank you, Lord, for sending the Holy Spirit to abide in us. Thank you, Lord, for equipping us, giving us everything needful to serve you with our lives. Lord, quicken our hearts today as we examine this portion of thy holy word. Instruct us in the paths of righteousness. Encourage us, Father, that we might ever more closely follow thee and ever more clearly serve you out and about during our earthly appointed time. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Look at these verses here, these 12 verses. It's amazing what's said about love in those verses. Verse 7, love is of God. Verse 8, God is love. Verse 9, the love of God was manifested toward us. Verse 10, he loved us. Verse 11, so loved us. And verse 12, his love is perfected in us. The essence and the evidence of divine love. Well, we know what evidence is, <laughs> you know, evidence at a crime scene or whatever. What is essence? What is essence? Webster defines essence as this. It's the basic, real, and invariable nature of something. Basic, real, and invariable nature of something. The English word essence comes from the Greek word uh, it's, uh, it's pronounced usia. Usia. That's where the word essence comes in the Greek. And the Greek verbal form of that, usios, is a present participle of the Greek verb to be. Now stay with me. The Greek participle of the Greek word to be. Essence is that, to be. And that would remind us of God's statements in the Old Testament. As who shall I say sent me? Tell them that I am sent you. I am that I am. I am. God's being is what we're dealing with here. That's what essence is. The essence of God is his being. It's manifested in a number of ways, but it's an invariable nature inherent only in him. 
and sovereign over everything else. Thus, we speak of the essence of God. We're talking about his essential nature. That's it. The essence of God is his essential nature, his unchangeable, immutable nature. World without end. Light and love are two aspects of his essence. 1 John 1, 5 tells us, This then is the message which we have heard of him and declare unto you that God is light. It's part of his essence. God is light. Our text today, 4, 8. God is love. God is light. God is love. Uh, the light spoken of here is not that light, that, as opposed to physical darkness, that God created in Genesis. It's not that light. And the love is not included in the original creation either. The love spoken here is not involved, wasn't created in the original creation. Okay? Now, you say, well, I can feel love, and I felt love for you know, before I was ever saved, that's true. That's a certain type of love. But the type of love we're talking about here was not included in the original creation. These qualities, light and love, are part of God's essence, His eternal essence. It's spiritual light as opposed to spiritual darkness. It's agape love. It's a divine love superior in quality to all other types of love which humankind can experience. And there are other types of love. We can find four different types of love uh, that I found on the pages of Scripture. And we can, as humankind, experience these types of love, particularly three of them. And if we're redeemed, we can experience the fourth. And I guess it goes without saying that the love wherein we speak of, this agape love, and, and the light, of course, as well, but these are superior to anything else in creation. And remember this. Now think about this now. This light, God is light. This love, God is love, is superior to anything found in creation. God is the author of creation. But this light and love he did not create then as recorded in Genesis. And this light and love are superior to anything found in his creative work. Okay? Now having said that, if it's not in the created order, and we can experience the created order, can we not? At least some of it. <laughs> well, how, how would we know about this superior light and love? Only because he chose to reveal himself to us and reveal these aspects of himself to us. If he had not chosen to do so, we'd never know anything about it. But he chose to reveal this of himself. Through his word, here, what he's done Recorded there down through history, dealing with his people, the chosen people of Israel, and on down through history, how he deals with us. We learn of his nature, of his love, revealing himself.
And then as we apply the Word of God, the doctrines contained in the gospel to our lives, we experientially, experientially learn more and more about that divine love and that divine light that is here in His holy essence. Are we together? And as we learn more and more about His holy essence, His light and His love, as it's unfolding to us experientially, because we're studying the Word of God and applying it to our lives, then we learn more and more as we grow in grace how to orient every single aspect of our lives according to His holy purpose and will for our lives. That's sanctification, growing in grace, learning about Father and learning how to follow Him. There are four types of love, as I mentioned, found in Scripture. First up... <clears throat> First off is eros, E-R-O-S. It's the Greek term, Greek term from where we get erotic. Eros is the, by the way, is the only one of the four types of love mentioned that if it's practiced without boundaries becomes sin. The other loves do not become sin. Eros becomes sin if it's practiced beyond the boundaries, outside the boundaries of what God has given us. And the biblically defined boundaries, boundary is marriage. And that marriage is between a genetically born male and a genetically born female and no one else. That's marriage biblically. And any type of eros outside of that is sin. Scripture calls it fornication and adultery. I don't care what your pronouns are. The Word of God says this about that. It's eros. It's sin between a husband and wife in love with each other. It's a wonderful gift of grace. Magnificent gift of grace. But only in that context. Storge is another one. It's the affective, affectionate bond that naturally develops in families between parents and children, brothers and sisters. Storge, family love, so to speak. Then it's philia, from philos, the Greek word. It's beloved. It's the most common type of love. It's an experience-based love. You know how you, you have just the camaraderie and you're working with this person and through the years and it's just a love that develops. You're not blood kin, but there's a, just a love that develops between you. That's that type of love. And these first Three types of love are part of God's creative design. And all of us, all humankind, saved and unsaved, can experience that type of love because God created it in creation, recorded in Genesis, for the experience of all of humankind that he created and, of course, for the propagation of the species through husbands and wives and whatever. The fourth type of love, though, Again, it's not created. We don't find anywhere in Genesis God said, let there be love. He didn't say that. He said, let there be light. That was a different light than the one we're speaking of here. Because, why? It preceded creation. It's the holy nature of God. It's his essence. This light and this love of which we have spoken is part of his holy essence. And he, in his holy essence, certainly preceded creation eternally. Changing not, world without end. 
It's perfect. It's pure. It's unconditional. And it's sacrificial. And you don't find that in those other types of love. Perfect, pure, sacrificial, unconditional. But again, it only flows from God's holy, eternal essence. It does not come any other way. The incarnation is evidence of the essence of God's love. That's what the incarnation is about. John 3, 16, God so loved the world, that's the word agape, agape we'll talk about that in a moment in your handout, that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. John, 1 John 4, 8, our text. This was manifested, the love of God toward us. Why? How? Because he sent his son <laughs> that we might live through him. That's the divine love of God. It comes only from the person of God. He sent the Lord Jesus Christ, His only begotten Son. Why? So we wouldn't perish. That we might live. So we would live what? Everlastingly with Him. That, ladies and gentlemen, is an incredible aspect of elective love. That God, before the foundation of the earth, elected us to be adopted as His children through the Lord Jesus Christ. So we, the elect of God, will live eternally with him. That's love. That's love. John 6, 3.16, that word loved is apageo. That's the aorist verb form of the noun. This love preceded everything. God so loved us and continues to love us. And then 4.8 is the agape, the noun form. Charles Wesley's hymn is magnificent in this regard. He says, And can it be that I should gain an interest in the Savior's blood? Died he for me who caused his pain? For me who him to death pursued? Amazing love! How can it be that thou, my God, should die for me? That's the love, that's the essence of God, started in election before the foundation of the earth and down through the centuries, just like this, drawing the elect unto him. Why? Because he so loved us to send his son that we would not perish but live everlastingly with him in glory. For goodness sakes, if your family forsakes you and your boss is being ugly and your neighbors act like they hate you and you're just feeling unloved all over, read the word of God. God so loved you that he purchased you so you could be with him forever and ever and ever. The divine evidence, again, we're talking about evidence now, of God's love is found in one that's been born of God. First John 4, 7, Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God, and everyone that loveth is born of God. Remember when we went through this uh, same phrase in an earlier passage, this is not an evidential verse. I mean, this is not a salvation verse. Excuse me, I said it incorrectly. This is not a salvation verse. This is an evidential verse. The person who loves is one who is born, has been born of God. If he did, he couldn't love this way if he hadn't been born of God. The word beloved, John addresses them with, it's a kapitos. It's, a, it's an adjective used in the 
vocative case, which means it's an adjective used as a, a noun, really, an address. He said, beloved. Here's this apostle John who had a pastor's heart toward these people, his first readers, and I suspect to us as well. And he knew how to love with agape love because he had that love flowing in his life. Personal address to them. Love one another. That form of agape, apageo, is a present tense verb in a subjunctive fashion, which means continuous action, continuous action. Action that began and continues. It could be translated, let us be habitually loving one another. It's a habit. We know what habits are, don't we? <laughs> so this is a habit that's divinely ordained to habitually love our siblings in the Lord Jesus Christ. And love one another. That word another, one another, is a reciprocal pronoun in the Greek, and it means each other, loving each other. So there should be reciprocity. Me loving thee, thee loving me. Reciprocity as we continue to share the divine love that's been poured out in our hearts. But we have no capacity in and of ourselves as humanoids as humankind, we have a capacity to love one another with this type of love he's speaking of. And the next phrase in that verse tells us why. We just read it. For love is of God, of God, of, very important word, of, ek, ek in the Greek. It means from the source. Love is from the source. Love is of God, out of God, proceeding from the source. And he's the only source for this type of love. The Bethel Cemetery is over southwest of Waxahachie. It's where Waverly and where my family are buried. Just across the road from the cemetery is Bethel United Methodist Church. Then there's the parsonage. And right across the fence, just up the way there a little ways, a storm's throw or so, is this little cottage where my Uncle Charlie and Myrtle Turner lived. By the way, if you saw the movie Places in the Heart with Sally Fields about her husband being killed in the line of duty as a sheriff in Waxahachie and a black gentleman coming alongside to help her harvest that, that was all filmed right there. That little church, the little tabernacle north of it there and the gym down the road, Five Point Gym, is all filmed right there. When I was a boy, they did, <laughs> Uncle Charlie and my aunt, they didn't have running water in the house. They had a well with those crank jobs out the back by the porch. And that well went dry. And so Uncle Charlie got this long trailer, four-wheel trailer, and a big water tank on it. And he would pull it over to walk the hatch and get it filled up with water and bring it out there and back it up close to the back porch where they could open the, you know, get their water. And then, <laughs> and then my aunt, also had a Maytag gasoline-powered ringer washing machine. I loved hearing that thing run, little boy. But, 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 but. She'd wash dishes, right, wash clothes right there. But they had to get their water out of that tank. But the news came 
that they were going to run a water line down through there. And my aunt was ecstatic. And I heard her say, I don't know how many times talking about it, we're going to have everlasting water. It's going to come right down here. We have water in the house. Everlasting water. That's the way it is, ladies and gentlemen. With agape love, to use her phrase, it's everlasting love. It comes from the source, the only source, God Almighty, of his choice. It comes from the source. And that pipeline of love has been flowing down through the centuries and shall continue all the way into eternity, pumping love, everlasting love, into the heart of every redeemed child of God. Everlasting love. Well, the foregoing <laughs> would make it clear the contrast between verse 7 and verse 8. Look at those two verses. Beloved, let us love one another. Loves of God. Everyone that loveth is born of God and knows God. Verse 8. He that loveth not knoweth not God. For God is love. Pretty clear, isn't it? No capacity to love like that if you don't know the God personally who is the source of that kind of love. No capacity to love us. First of all, we're not his siblings or her siblings in Christ. That's one thing. That there's no ability within them. They've never been born of God. Now you have a handout, and I want to read the handout, and, and, you, and you read along with me. I'm not going to read the capitalized words there. I put them there for a reason, and I'll explain that a little bit along. But it's going to read the text, okay? This is the, in John chapter 27, 15 through 17. This is the third time the Lord has appeared to his disciples post the resurrection. And they had dined together. So when they had dined, Jesus says to Simon Peter, Simon, son of Joseph, Jonathan, lovest thou me more than these? He said unto him, Yea, Lord, thou knowest that I love thee. He said unto him, Feed my lambs. He said unto him again the second time, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me? He said unto him, Yea, Lord, thou knowest that I love thee. He said unto me, him, Feed my sheep. Jesus said unto him a third time, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me? Peter was grieved because he said unto him the third time, Lovest thou me? And he said unto him, Lord, thou knowest all things. Thou knowest that I love thee. Jesus said unto him, feed my sheep. Now it's interesting to me in this text that the apostle Peter, who had previously denied the Lord three times at Jesus' rest, is given the privilege of affirming his love for the Lord three times right here at this engagement at the dinner. That's grace, number one. However, note the words used for love for the Lord, by the Lord in his question to Peter. And then by Peter in his three responses. Now, if you look at this handout, you find here that the word epigeo 
is a word the Lord used in the first and second inquiry, verse 15 and 16, okay? And Peter answered with the same word phileo, all responses. But interestingly, in the third inquiry, Jesus said, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me? He used the same word Peter had been using, phileo. Now, why is that? The Lord used apageo, the first two questions, 15 and 16, but he changed the phileo in the third inquiry, and Peter all the time responded with the same word phileo. In fact, when he was grieved, he used that same word, phileo. Now, some commentator, and one particular I read, said, oh, don't make a lot out of this because, you know, they're interchangeable words or whatever. I, you know, I don't buy that kind of thing. I really don't because I believe in the plenary inspiration of the Scriptures. The Holy Spirit of God gave these words to the apostles, and they wrote them down. This is the mind of God contained in the Word of God, and we only ignore that fact to our disadvantage and defeat spiritually often. There's a reason those words are different there. Now, I want to make a statement <laughs> that's aside from this, but you'll understand why. The task of every preacher and teacher of God's Word is to bring out what's in the Scripture only and not thrust in what he or she thinks might be in the Scripture. That's it. The goal must always be never to speak more or less than the Holy Spirit intended when he gave these specific words to the original authors. No more, no less, and nothing else. That's the Word of God. And that's the call of the pastors and preachers and teachers around the planet to teach just that, the mind and the counsel of the Father. Now, why did I say that? Because I'm going to use this text in John 21 to share my opinion. And I cannot point you to a verse in Scripture to substantiate my opinion. So I want to be very careful with this. But this is what I believe. And then you have the opportunity to be, be as Berean Christians. You've got the text that we're using. You've got your whole counsel of the Word of God. Go find it out for yourself and come to the opinion, hopefully, that the Spirit of God has led you to believe. Okay. Having said that, Acts chapter 2 and verse 4 points out the outpouring of the Holy Spirit of God. Okay? The outpouring of the Holy Spirit of God. And then in Acts chapter 2, 11 through 14, we find Peter a man who had three times out of fear denied the Lord, surrounded by curious people and people who were mockers, agnostics, and against this, these followers of this Galilean carpenter, find him standing up, lifting up his voice boldly and beginning his This Is That sermon. <laughs> And then over in Acts 2.41 records that at the end of his This Is That sermon, 
delivered by this emboldened Peter, 3,000 souls were baptized and added to the church that day. Obviously, something had happened to Peter. Right? Safe to deduce that. I don't think we're <laughs> adding anything to Scripture to say, wow, what's going on with the Apostle Peter? Some of those who had been walking along with him, they said, wow, look at Peter go. He was different. And again, in my opinion, in my opinion, the difference was the outpouring of the Holy Spirit of God. That's it. The outpouring of the Holy Spirit of God in him and the others and in us. And you know something I believe? I believe if Peter was asked subsequent to that, do you love the Lord, Peter? He would say, yes, I love the Lord. And you know what word he'd use? Apageo. No more phileo, brotherly love. Apageo. I love the Lord with agape love. That was what Peter would say. I believe. Can't tell you that in Scripture. But I believe that's what he would say. Why am I saying that? Romans chapter 5, verse 5. And hope make not a shame. <clears throat> But the, but the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Spirit, which is given to us. That's the godly love. That's where it comes from, the love of God. Shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Spirit of God, and you're not going to get it any other way or in any other place. Only by being born of God and the Spirit of God flooding your hearts with that agape love that preceded creation, preceded the foundation of the earth, and continues throughout eternity, world without First John 4.19 makes it sure clear. We love him <laughs> because he first loved us. He loved us not with a created love. He loved us with a love that is his essence, part of his essence. And then he saved us so we could love him with the love that is back with a part of his essence as well. It's a reciprocal love between the father and his children and back to his children. Well, years have passed now and my aunt and uncle across the road from the little farmhouse in the Bethel Cemetery in our family plot. But that water, that water line is still running down there providing water for that little house and all those other houses out there. And that's the way it is with this love from the Father. Formed from the fountain, from the fountainhead, God the Father flowing down through the centuries, this eternal love into and filling the heart and life of every child of God. That we might love him back and that we might love each other as his brothers and sisters in Christ. And Jesus said, if you guys and gals love you, each other this way, the whole world is going to know that you're my disciples. Because you know what? They don't have anything like it out there. Nothing like it. The love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord spilt out in our hearts overflowing in our hearts, loving each other with it, 
And then a witness to the world that Jesus made a difference in our lives. God, give us grace. Give us grace. Holy God, <laughs> Lord, you know, goodness, we could preach forever. Can I cover all this? Lord, down here, water pipes get plugged up with rust and debris and stuff. Lord, I pray that our love pipes wouldn't get plugged up with any sin or grudges or animosities or jealousy.